working from your identity. I think so many people in life, whether it's basketball coaching or student athletes or CEOs of company, they work for something, right? They're striving for something, which is great. But in some ways it can be really dangerous because you're not working from something, from knowing who you are, whose you are, what's your identity, what's your purpose. And when you know that, everything flows from there. So you just heard from one of our guests today on the podcast, Boomer Roberts. And when I heard him saying this, I immediately thought of James Clear's New York Times bestselling book, Atomic Habits, an easy way to break habits and build good ones. Now, Clear proposes a simple two-step process for creating change in your life by focusing not on goals, but on your identity. Step one for him is decide the type of person you want to be. Step two, prove it to yourself with the small wins, he says. Well, this is different than what most of us have done throughout our life. We set a goal and we work towards the goal like Boomer mentioned. But as we enter the final episode of our three-part series on developing your program identity, I think this is what our guests have been suggesting. Step one is determine the identity you want of your program. And then step two is use that identity to guide your behaviors as a leader, your decisions as a leader, and the standards of your program. Welcome back to the Coaching Culture Podcast. I'm JP Nurbin, joined by my co-host, Nate Sanderson. If you haven't listened to episodes 193 and 195, that's uh, part one and part two of this three-part series, it would probably make sense for you to do so. As you miss some great insights from our guests, Will Ray, Mike Avery, TJ Rosine, and Boomer Roberts. Also, near the end of today's episode, we have another unplanned special guest sharing some powerful insight to wrap up our discussion. Thank you for listening in to this series. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and the newsletter so you can get the notes to this episode and every episode of the podcast. The podcast that is all about helping leaders become more transformational and build a better culture. To subscribe and learn more about the other ways that TOC serves coaches, go to thriveonchallenge.com. Now let's get into today's episode. JP, this week we're going to start to focus our conversation here on the decision-making process and how, as you mentioned in the opener, our identity really affects our behaviors and what we do in our culture. And there's two phrases that I, I really keep coming back to as I think more and more about this, even what we're trying to do as we start building at Mount Vernon. And one is from Boomer Roberts, where he said, working from your identity. And the other phrase that keeps echoing in my mind is from Cody Royal, where he said, when you know who you are, you know what to do. I think so many times as coaches, you know, when we're trying to build our culture and we're trying to build relationships and we get into these situations where we're not sure what to do. We're not sure what decision to make. And we're not even sure where to, to start from. Having a strong identity is that place for me. It is that place for us. When we know who we are, it informs what we do, what we should do in a given situation. And that's what we're going to talk about here with our guests this week. Now, this episode is going to have a familiar structure to what we've been doing the last couple of weeks as we're going to hear from a variety of guests, starting with Will Ray, who is the head boys basketball coach at Northridge Prep. And we asked Will, once you've identified who you want to become or who you want to be as a team, how does that start to influence the decisions that you make? Well, I, th I think it's it's the common denominator. It's, it's the point of reference that we all agree to, you know, before the season starts every year, I have a team meeting and I always tell the players, you know, uh, 
get, get comfortable in your seat because this is going to be the longest meeting of the year. And it, we're not going to talk at all about basketball, although we're going to talk a lot about basketball, right? It's, uh, but it's not X's and O's. And I go through uh, usually a, a PowerPoint presentation and you know, talk about our program and show the pictures of all our former senior classes uh, that have gone through and talk about the standards that they have established, the customs, the traditions, uh, what we're about. And then we, we usually have some type of interactive activity after I'm done with the, uh, with the PowerPoint, you know, where guys are getting in small groups or getting in pairs. And, you know, I pose certain questions and, you know, it's a long meeting. It takes probably an hour and a half, maybe sometimes longer. And just to get everyone to understand that, look, you know, if, if you're signing on to be a part of this, then you have to understand what we're about. And that the, the thing that we're about, this is not Coach Ray's program where it doesn't belong to the coaching staff. This program belongs to, as I like to say, there are three types of players in our program. There are the former players, there are the current players, and the future players, right? And this program belongs to all three. It, and, and obviously the former players have set the standards and have uh, have passed the baton and the torch on to, to us and then now it's our responsibility to uphold this and then pass that same baton or torch on to the next group of Northridge Knights. So anyway, I, I just I, I think my role is more of, uh, you know, I, I guess, um, you know, being the, uh, the, the curator or the caretaker of the, the program and that I have to help pass this torch on from one group to the next. But I find that uh, the best senior classes that we've had have been the ones that have taken on greater responsibility for uh, for living our identity, for living our culture, and then in turn passing it on to the next group. Next, we're going to hear from TJ Rosine, the head men's basketball coach at Emmanuel College. And TJ is going to talk a little bit about how their identity helps to resolve the conflict and tension between competing values. In other words, if you want your guys to show up and play hard and compete with a chip on their shoulder and yet have great sportsmanship and honor their opponents, how do you balance those things? Let's hear from TJ. You know, when we're trying to develop this within our team, and again, gratitude can go slightly different in one direction from one team to a different team, and attitude can as well. When you know, I kind of spoke on the first one about gratitude, if I was speaking to this one, about attitude kind of given a more tangible example is you know it, it informs like when you think about all right how do we show up as a team that has a chip on our shoulder without being dirty without not playing the game the right way without disrespecting our opponent without you know those are the kind of things that form our conversations and form the decision making and building that and you know when you, you the quote you talked about a second ago like when you know who you are and we talk about that in our attitude piece all the time like look, there's no reason to talk trash. Like your game will do that for you. And so if you've worked hard enough and you're good enough, let your game speak. And I think that goes back to, you know, hey, I know that win, lose, or draw, I'm, I have put in the work. I'm going to bring great energy. I'm going to play this game with passion. You are going to get my best. And at the end of the day, that is my attitude. And I, I think that that's some of the ways that we formulate that and some of the ways we get the gratitude and attitude to combine is, you know, hey, having appreciation for your opponent's hard work too. There's gratitude for your opponent and marrying those two things and making sure that we're showing up the right way. And I think that if you have great gratitude and you have a really solid attitude, it goes back to what you just quoted, that you kind of know who you are. And when you know who you are, you show up and do your business. 
We posed the same question to Boomer Roberts, the head men's basketball coach at Purdue Northwest. And he talked a little bit about how when your identity takes hold, your players really begin to police the standards. It informs their behaviors and decision-making. And then the coach sort of comes along just to support that process. I think once you're about something and you have surrounded yourself with people who are about the same things, it, it almost takes the decision-making out of it because there is no decision, if that makes sense. Um, we talk about building faithful husbands and loving fathers. Well, there's going to be certain times in your life where you're tempted or you struggle with patience with your kids. If, if you just know, like, these are the things I'm okay with doing and these are the things that I'm never going to do, well, then that decision-making process is taken away because you just know, no, I'm, I'm not about this. Same thing happens on a basketball court or in a program or in a locker room. If you surround yourself with the right assistant coaches and the right players, I just believe that it, it exposes, it reveals what people are really about so that those decisions, it's like, hey, we are going to do this every single day and we are not going to do this ever. And when it happens, we're going to address it and it's going to be clear that, man, this, this does not embody what we are about. And most of the time, Nate, if I'm being honest, especially as we've grown this program, the players are the ones who police that, if you will. Um, they know right away, like, no, we don't do that. And it ends right there. Or, hey, man, you're not giving us enough of this, of, of joy, of love, of toughness, body language, things like that. And it ends right there. Every once in a while, a coach will have to step in and say, hey, this is how are we doing here? Self-check, you know. Um, and then I, I would say this, we ask our guys, we are very open. We have, again, talking about where you can catch other programs in your league, or, you know, if you're trying to win at the highest level, I'm, I'm the worst coach in our league. If you took a poll, they'd probably say that. Okay. And our resources are near the bottom, but I think we can catch guys because of the way we love each other, because of the joy we have with our teammates or, and our, and our players. And then we ask them like, Hey, how are we doing as leaders? What do you need from us to be more in the fight? Do you feel that we're in the fight with you? And so it's, it's a constant self-check of each other. It's accountability. Um, and I think it's fun. Everybody uses accountability as like this, this it's, it's a sexy term in society, but it's really just about barking at each other and making sure you stay in line. But in this scenario, it's about making sure everybody's going the same direction. And honestly, when you, when you surround yourself with the right people, um, it's more it's it's simpler than you think because it's so clear. So what was brilliant about those three examples from those three different coaches was they've kind of outlined a little bit of a process. Like Broomer talks about how when the players take ownership, well, the players take ownership when you start to do some, you know, standard setting, you know, setting the standards, using your identity, using those values. When you allow them to be a part of that process they're more likely to take ownership and police those behaviors. And honestly, I think that is probably one of the most important pieces of all of this. Like whether a coach can come up with those core values or, or those phrases, but allowing the players to take those, those values and those phrases to set the standards, that is really, really empowering. Now, one of the other things I really liked that TJ spoke about was getting more clarity around what that looks like for them. I think it's great to sit down with them at the beginning of the year and talk about, you know, those type of standards. But one of the things that we encourage coaches to do is what we call the standards review. So if you're, if you're, if you're 
cultural identity. Your values are love and effort. It's talking about, you know, before a game, like, hey, what's love and effort going to look like if they go on an 8-0 run for, uh, against us and, you know, we have to call a timeout? What's love and effort look like in that moment? What's love and effort look like in the hallways of our, of our school? And you're not always going to do that at the beginning of the year, but it's throughout the year looking and seeking greater clarity and coming back to the, that, that, those values, that identity to shape those behaviors. Well, JP, what you've identified there is really, you know, where the rubber meets the road, where the identity starts to transform itself into behaviors. And I think those questions are so valuable. They're such great guides for the conversations that we want to have with our team. You know, when I think about the first team meeting that we're going to have together at Mount Vernon, I think we're going to start with a couple of words that are going to be the foundation for us, gratitude, effort, and love. But when you think about what do those things look like, you know, when our team comes together in all these different contexts, like it can be a little overwhelming to think about the locker room and the bus and on the court and practice and in the cafeteria and the weight room and the film room. It's too much to handle at one time. Right. And so I think the way that we're going to approach that is we're going to think about the first two manifestations of that open gym and the first time our freshmen come in and join the high school program and just start the conversation there. What does gratitude and effort and love look like in those two contexts? And then when they happen, we just try to celebrate it or acknowledge it or recognize it. So hopefully it starts to perpetuate itself as we continue on through the off season. And we asked Mike Avery this question as well. And one of the things I loved about Mike's answer is that he really infused a growth mindset into how this identity evolves. And Mike's going to talk a little bit about how it's an ongoing conversation. It's ongoing reflection and the identity and the manifestation of it in terms of how it's applied on his team continues to change over time. Yeah. I, I think the, first of all, the quote is a good one because I, I think it's very true. I mean, the clear picture that we have, whether it's who I am as an individual or who we are as a group, uh, certainly the much easier it is to try and live up to that. Right. And so oftentimes, you know, I get a kick out of watching, you know, I have two younger kids, one's in high school and one's in middle school. And I watch a lot of youth sports as a result. And you see a coach on the sideline who's standing there giving 100 percent of everything, all that he is and screaming at the top of his lungs frantically for everybody to calm down. You know, something like that, that just, you know, they're not living what it is that they're trying to say because they're caught up in the moment, too. Um, and, and again, I've been there as a coach, you know, I, I, I've, I've been there and done that. Uh, and, and I think what's happened for me is, is the more self-reflection, the more introspection, um, the more conversations that I'm, I'm willing to have where I'm kind of being a little bit more vulnerable, uh, sharing a little bit more, digging in with other people a little bit more. Uh, and, and just learning about like, who am I? What is this whole thing about? What is important to me? Um, as I'm willing to do that with myself and, and really just spend time thinking and listening and, and talking about it and reflecting on it, um, it just makes it a lot easier for me than to impart those things to my team to say, this is what I think is, this is important. Here's why it's important. Um, and, and really kind of take on a, more of a mentorship role than just, again, just telling them what to do, just directing them. And, and it, you know, look, I'm 53, so I'm not an old man, but, but I've, I've been doing this for a long time now. And it's probably only been in the last five years or so that I've felt far more comfortable with sometimes telling them, I, look, I, I don't know what to do. You guys help me. Or 
um, trying to come to grips with some of the things that I've struggled with, whether it's being competitive, you know, and winning at all costs and then coming home thinking, my God, I shouldn't have done that. I treated someone poorly and, and just figuring out what's really, really important um, for me. And, and again, as you can do that, I think that's when you really start to hit your stride as a coach. Yeah. And I think, you know, in my own experience, um, one of the things that you discover over the years is the right questions, mm. you know, asking, I mean, thinking about, you know, potentially interviewing at a, at a job next week, you know, and one of the questions that I'd like to ask the two players on the, on the interview committee is to think about, you know, the, the third week in January is like the dog days of the high school basketball season. You know, you're far enough away from Christmas break, but the postseason's not here yet. You're not really, you know, motivated by senior nights coming up, but it's not close enough. And, and I'm just curious, you know, what would those players like that January 24th practice to feel like when they walk in the gym? Mm-hmm. You know, in a lot of ways, that, that really, that answer defines what we're working towards, right? And who we want to become. Because if we can get that right, a lot of other things are going to fall into place, you know, after that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. And I think that's the, the great challenge of it all. And it's one of the things that I'm actually uh, really considering quite a bit over those last few weeks as I go through this early stages of, of time with my team. It's, it's finding the balance between two kind of what would seem on the, on the surface as competing goals for your team but but you're actually trying to figure out where the balance is between them so things like we want to be ultra competitive right that's that's certainly a a goal of ours but we want it to be incredibly fun too right so those two things could seem at 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 odds sometimes right um so where do we find that balance in the middle of that uh you know things like you know you know we want to be uh ultra confident in what we're doing but we want to be incredibly humble about how we do it. Those are, again, two things that maybe seem at odds with each other. Uh, and how do we find the balance between the two of them? Because I think we need them both if we're going to be as good as we can be. Yeah, I love that. And one of the things that I, I picked up just, we you had mentioned Steve Kerr a little bit when we were talking off air. And and uh, this past season at North Lynn, one of the things that the girls talked about, like they wanted to be a common thread and anytime that we were together is they wanted it to be fun. And I remember mm-hmm. Steve Kerr asked his team one time, how do we have fun around here? You know, is fun just goofing around and singing silly songs and doing dances in the middle of practice or is basketball fun? Is competing fun? You know, is mm-hmm. it fun to show up to a place where you feel like you belong and you're accepted, you know? And so we really unpack that like mm-hmm. in a much greater depth about how do we have fun here that might be different than hanging out in the basement on Friday night, you know, or, or at a dance or something like that. And it was a really awesome conversation because it helped focus, you know, our attention on what does that mean for us in this context? So Nate, one of the things that just amazes me about these four different conversations with these different coaches is how they all at some point or another mention this self-discovery this process of learning and knowing more about yourself and how that connects to understanding or, or implementing that team identity. And I think it just should be encouraging for coaches that listen to this to think, okay, once again, I, it's not about just this moment, what I decide this off season, it's just continuously coming back to that. And I appreciate that from, from Mike. I think the other thing is just 
you know, you guys talked about asking great question. And I think this is where we as coaches have to continuously see ourselves less sometimes as a coach or even sometimes even necessarily the traditional teacher of, you know, lecturing, but instead more as that mentor, that person that sit, sits back and, and helps people to self-discover what's important to them, you know, what joy looks like for them. And I think that's just a really powerful takeaway from there is, is not only is this a process of our own dis- self-discovery, but we're helping others to discover what those values, you know, look like when they're manifested within the team culture. We asked TJ one more question kind of on his way out the door. And I was just curious for somebody that's been doing this for 20 years and that is heavily invested in the identity of their program. If TJ was going to talk to a coach who maybe hasn't put that time in, maybe they haven't thought before about, geez, what is the, you know, the consistent identity that we want to be part of our program all the way through? What would you say to that coach? What would you say to them about why it's important? important and, and where to begin? Yeah, you know, I mean, first of all, you know, Nate, you and I were, were transformational coaches. Like we want to make an impact. We want for the game to be bigger than us. And, you know, I, I was the son of a 30-year high school coach and who, who lived that out every day. And I think it starts with that. Like, you know, why are you doing what you're doing, right? And then if you were to go to the coaches that choose not to be transformational they just choose to be transactional the funny thing is is they're actually going to get more out of their teams when they choose to do things like this too because I, I use this analogy a lot but we can all think of great teams with great talent that underachieved and when you go back to why did they underachieve it's usually typically has nothing to do with talent has nothing to do with you know a whole bunch of basketball stuff or any sports stuff it has a lot to do with the attitude and has a lot to do with not taking the time to build these bonds, to build a culture, to build whatever you want to call it. And so, you know, if you were just transactional by nature, but you wanted to win more games, you would want to build close bonds within your team. You'd want them to respect each other, to play hard for each other, just baseline stuff. And then if beyond that, you were a transformational coach that you saw the the multiple wins here is, you know what? I can build a team that's going to enjoy the process, that's going to love each other more and is going to grow more if I'm willing to do this stuff. Then it's a really easy proposition. You clearly see why all of this stuff is is worth it. And, you know, to me, final thing I would say, it's the most fun part of the journey. You know, like winning and losing stressful. Parents and problems are stressful. But the one thing we can control is the environment that we create. And that is a really, really fun journey to go on. Well, I appreciate you sharing that because I think that's one of the misnomers sometimes is that um, that identity might help with behaviors or with standards or accountability, but it truly is a performance advantage when it's done right and when it's done with depth. And so uh, I love the way you describe that. Well, yeah. And I, we, we all see that as coaches. I mean, how many times have we gone across and then like, uh, I mean, even in the NBA level, you know, like, you know, when some of those teams are clicking, yeah, of course you need talent. Of course you need that. But when they're really quick clicking, like you look at the San Antonio Spurs, I mean, there was something special going on in the water there. When you look at Golden State, when they were on, on, on their run, there's something special, but it even matters even more when you trickle down because you're trying to get less out of more. 
at, at, at our levels, at college, at high school. We're trying to get less out of more. And the only way to do that is to create something special. And um, But even at the highest levels, we've seen it. And we've seen it fail. We've seen it epically fail with a loads of talent, but lack of culture. So what TJ is talking about, I think it's just so powerful. I mean, when you and your team know who you are, when the way you see yourself aligns with that aspirational identity, when all this comes together, it makes everything easier. Uh, just a quick personal story. For years, I wanted to be more disciplined in my morning routine. I wanted to work out. I wanted to read and, and do things like that. But I was like most people. I'd hit that snooze button five times in the morning. Uh, but now it's almost impossible for me to sleep in. I wake up at 5 a.m. every morning. I read, I pray, I journal, and I run without fail. Now, some might say I have built the habit. But for me, I don't see it as I've built a habit. I've created this identity. I see myself as a 5 a.m. guy. I see myself as a disciplined person in the morning. To not wake up and do those things would go against who I am. And so when I don't wake up and start my day, it's very difficult and uncomfortable. And I think this works when it comes to our program's identity. Once we can align our behaviors uh, and the way that we see ourselves with that aspirational identity, it will be almost like some sort of superpower. Now, before we finish up, we've got one more conversation we want to share with you. So a few weeks ago, in the middle of the production of this three-part series, we had a TOC community roundtable one evening. Now, these roundtable events, these are events where we bring together the nearly 50 coaches of the mentorship program onto a Zoom call, and myself and Nate uh, or another coach in the community might present on a certain topic. And, and in this one, we had Jonathan Tozinski in the hot seat a few weeks ago. Uh, and now JT, uh, he was the freshman head basketball coach at Bergen Catholic in New Jersey the last four seasons. And Bergen is one of the most successful high school teams in the country. And on the call, you know, JT was sharing some great advice for other coaches on how he built the freshman team's culture within the culture of TCC, trust, care, and commitment that head coach Billy Armstrong had implemented already. Now, one of the many coaches on that call actually happened to be Dr. Jerry Lynch, and he was uh, a guest on episodes 173 and 174. Uh, Jerry is the author of many books, and he's a mentor to coaches like Steve Kerr, uh, Anson Dorrance, and, and Quinn Snyder. Uh, well, Jerry, he decided uh, to share some advice with JT because JT had just gotten, uh, in the last month, his first head coaching job running a high school program in New Jersey. So he went from freshman coach to now being the varsity coach. Um, so hopefully now that's enough background information that this excerpt from our roundtable uh, that I recorded, that this makes sense. Because what Jerry says sums up the last three episodes so, so, so well. Okay, so uh, the first comment I want to make, because it's really an illusion, you know, uh, Bergen Catholic, the TCC, a lot of coaches out there that are listening to this think, okay, what I'll do is I'll adapt TTC and then I'll be successful. Mm -hmm. It's very important for all of us to really understand that TTC worked for Bergen Catholic. And I don't know Billy, but I imagine because TCC is who Billy is. Mm -hmm. That being said, if you're going to come up with values for your team, like Steve Kirk comes up with joy, enthusiasm, compassion, selflessness, this is Steve Kirk. That's who he is. 
another another person, uh, 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 Quinn Snyder, does the same thing. These these people come up with values, but I just want to say, if you're going to come up with values for your culture, they've got to be you and who you are, because it's going to be very difficult to implement values that aren't who you are. And if it's who you are, the kids will not only hear it, they'll see it and they'll feel it. So that, that's a very important point I wanna make. The other, the other important, important point is just because you have values, nice words that you put on the wall, doesn't mean that they're going to be implemented. You need to implement the values. And what I've had a lot of success with in implementing values is I, I teach coaches, I coach coaches how to coach values. So here you have the X's and O's and here you have the values. If you want to be a great coach, you have to cross them over. And, and the way you teach a value is, for instance, one of my values is courage. When I'm watching a, a group of athletes play, I'll blow a whistle and I'll stop the whole practice. And I'll say, do you see what James did? He was demonstrating culture, he was demonstrating courage. That's part of our culture. Did you see that? How did he do it? Raise your hand if you think you can demonstrate culture. Oh, Pete, you can demonstrate culture, wonderful. All right, Robert, you can demonstrate culture. Uh, excuse me, uh, 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 courage. courage, great, go out and do that. So what you're doing is on the, on the court itself, you're not only telling, pointing out what, what the, the offensive uh, set is all about, but you're, you're, you're calling out what it's like to have courage, to have patience, perseverance, integrity, selflessness. Boy, did you see what he just did? The epitome of selflessness. That's what we want in our culture. Now, everybody go out there and let's see if you can demonstrate selflessness. So my second point being is you can actually not just teach this, you can coach it and they can learn it while in practice. Okay. That might take 15 seconds of your, of your practice time. Okay. But it'll give you five hours of amazing play down the road. When you call that out, you said, you see how he opened up space? Mm. That's selflessness. That's caring. That's love. That's who we are. Let's see if we could all do that. So every time you point that out, they get a reference point as to what these great words are. Because mm. they're great words. And I go into locker rooms and I see oh, all these great words all over the place. But what is it? What are they? And how do you demonstrate it? And, and so that's the implementation of, of, of a value system. Like Steve said to me one time, he said, you know, he says, people can't take my values and, and have a championship team. They have, have to have their own values. So a coach says to me at the conference, JP, maybe you were at this conference and a coach says, hey, Jerry, so what I want from you is I want you to meet, make me a better Steve. And I said, I can't do that, but I can make you a better you. But you have to find out who you are. So what we have to do is we have to identify who are we? What are our values? What do we value as a person, as a human being? And let's bring that to the kids because those three or four values are not gonna only change their game, it's gonna change their life. We have list and list of values and you look at them and you read them and you go off by yourself and you think about it. Wow, this, this is really me or this value here is really me or this is me. So you get a collection of, of seven or eight of them then you will whittle it down to about four. Now you have these four, you bring them to your team and you ask your team, these are my four. What about one from the team? And you take the one from the team or two and you put them into the four. Now you have six. And then what you do is 
you coach to that. And, and, and what I like a lot of coaches do and what I try to help them say is at the beginning of the week, like this is Monday, right? No, this is Tuesday, but let's say it's Monday. Mm -hmm. This week, this week, we're going to emphasize love or this week uh, we're going to emphasize uh, connection or communication or courage. And, and that's what the theme is of the week. So my whistle is going to blow only for that value. Oh. And then the next week we add another value. And now my whistle blows for two values. And it's not a lot of work. It's 15 seconds here, 15 seconds there. The kids love it. It'll change your coaching. It'll change your, your culture. And then before you know it, when kids come onto the team, mm -hmm. the players that are there already are already teaching the kids what those values are. And, and as Billy does it at Bergen Catholic, he's the coach that you say he is. When you walk into his his uh, his arena, when you walk into his company, you know those values. You can feel them from his players and from him, and that's how you do it. And 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 a lot of coaches think it just comes by reading a book, but it doesn't. It comes by actually doing it, and it's worth it because the the relationship game and 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 the heart, playing with heart and competing with heart, is really what this is all about. And, and, and giving up yourself for something, a cause bigger than yourself, which is the team. And even more than that, even more than basketball in your case, but whatever the sport happens to be. JP, what I appreciate so much about what Jerry just shared there is it really brings us back full circle to where we started this conversation three weeks ago. And that is your identity for your team, for your program is always gonna be a manifestation of who you are as a coach. You can't steal that from somebody else. You can't find it on Twitter. You can't copy it from a successful coach down the road. It, it all begins with that understanding of who you are and the impact that you want to have in your program. And if coaches get nothing else out of this series, I hope that we've prompted them with some good questions and a place to begin that reflective process, if nothing else, to become more effective in the impact that they can have on their players. Well, that was a little bit longer than our usual 30 minutes, but we really wanted to share that bit from Jerry Lynch with all of you. Thanks for listening in. If you're interested in joining the TOC community, there are two ways to do that. Uh, you can either join the mentorship program and work with myself, uh, Nate or Shane, or you can attend one of our yearly retreats. Our next retreat will be August 1st through 4th in Park City, Utah. At the time of the release of this episode, we still have a few spots left. But if you miss it, uh, know we will be hosting multiple retreats every year moving forward. Uh, there is a link to learn more about the retreats in the details of this episode. Or you can go on over to thriveonchallenge.com forward slash retreats.